Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. From Equity Mates Media, this is The Dive. I'm your host, Sasha Kelly. Build, baby, build. It's the cry being repeated around the world because globally there's an undersupply of houses. In America, the estimated housing shortfall is 3.8 million houses. In Britain, the government aims to build 300,000 new homes each year. In the last fiscal year, they built just two-thirds of that. In Australia, the new government has just announced a plan to build 1 million new homes. And in Canada, by the year 2030, they need another 3.5 million houses to avoid a supply crisis. It's Wednesday, the 26th of October, and today I want to know... How is it that so many countries are facing an undersupply of housing? And is it as simple as just building our way out of the problem? To talk about this today, I'm joined by my colleague and the co-founder of Equity Mates. It's Alec Renahan. Alec, welcome to The Dive. Hey, Sasha. As two millennials that don't own houses, who better to talk about this topic? Before we get to the news of the day, I think we need to frame this issue in how it affects people like you and I. When there's not enough supply to satisfy demand, prices rise. And prices have certainly risen. Yes, prices have risen. Don't we know it? <laughs> According to The Economist, adjusted for inflation between 2000 and the middle of 2021, house prices in America rose 64%. Prices in Britain rose 110%, so a bit more mm-hmm. than doubled. Prices in New Zealand rose 256%. Ouch. But you know what, Sasha? They are all rookie numbers. We went out and found Australia's numbers. According to CoreLogic, prices in Australia over the past 25 years adjusted for inflation rose 412%. Take that, New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's certainly bragging rights, but not for the right reasons. And so the reason we're talking about this story today is because housing was the central point in the Australian government's budget that was handed down last night. Treasurer Jim Chalmers will unveil a new plan to build one million houses as part of his budget. The collaboration between the federal and state governments, as well as the private sector, aims to increase housing supply, focusing on affordable new homes. The new Australian government, the Labor government, has said it's going to build one million homes by the end of the decade. What's the plan, Alec? (laughs) Yeah, well, housing affordability is such a hot button issue. It's so important. And the Australian government is going to build their way out of it. They're going to increase supply to match up with demand. They've set up a $10 billion fund to build social and affordable housing. And they plan to use $350 million to build 10,000 new homes each year. 
And then kicking in from 2024, the government has set a goal of building 1 million new homes over five years. They're expected to be built under a new national housing accord. That's what they're calling it, which is basically an agreement between the federal government, state governments, institutional investors and the construction sector. The government expects there will be around 180,000 housing completions each year in 2022, 2023, 2024, before the goal and the new housing accord kicks in. But really, 1 million over five years would just increase it from 180,000 to 200,000. Yeah, and that's the thing, Alec, is that 1 million, it's a nice round number, it sounds great, And it sounds pretty ambitious, but data shows that in the last five years up to March 2022, 985,085 homes were built. So this isn't really that much of a stretch, is it? (laughs) Yeah, it it makes it sound a little bit less ambitious if you were going to say we're going to build 15,000 more homes than we did in the last five years. And that's really one of the key criticisms. It's a really nice sounding number, but it's not a massive uptick from what's already being built. Housing in Australia is cooked. It is seriously messed up. We have lost sight of the basic fact that housing needs to be treated as a human right. The Australian Greens have been particularly critical of it. Uh, They've called the plan insufficient and they've said that there'll be a shortage of public housing. Well, that the shortage of public housing will grow to 590,000 homes over the next five years. And one Greens MP called the policy, quote, a complete joke and said these homes will have been built anyway. That is the crazy situation that we have at the moment. And we have that situation because we no longer treat affordable housing as a human right. We treat it as an investment class where the government rewards their big donors, but young people get locked out of the housing market. But the ambition is there and it's pretty clear. It's build, build, build. And the Australian government aren't alone with these plans to increase housing supply. Worldwide, we've seen similar announcements and policies to the shortfalls that you outlined earlier in the episode. Yeah, in the US, Joe Biden has announced a housing supply action plan that includes tax credits and investments to encourage the building of millions of homes, including financing for the construction of 500,000 units of affordable housing. In Britain, a key part of Boris Johnson's 2019 Conservative Manifesto set a target of 300,000 new homes per year by the mid-2020s and their aim was to build at least a million more homes over the next parliament. We'll have to see if that's still in place now that Boris isn't (laughs) there anymore. (laughs) And in Canada, the Trudeau government has announced the largest and most ambitious federal housing program in Canada's history. 2021's national housing strategy will invest more than $70 billion dollars to build more housing. We know uh, that housing is a real challenge, not just here in Kitchener, but right across the country. And that's where uh, we need to work together to solve it. We need to work together different orders of government. So Australia is joining many of its peers in designing economic plans to build and build a lot. But this isn't a policy that you can just throw money at and the problem is solved. There are so many challenges when it comes to actually building and constructing houses that people can live in. And that is where we, along with the US, Britain and Canada, might do well to look at a close neighbour of ours. Let's take a quick break and then come back with a look at how New Zealand are approaching this challenge. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to The Dive. I'm your host, Sasha Kelly. Why don't you follow us on Instagram? Our handle is at thedive.businessnews. Today... We're talking about housing. Well, really the lack of housing. Globally, there's a severe shortage. And the solution from governments all around the world is to throw money at the problem. We'll be like Bob and just start building. Tax incentives, project financing, all in order to be like Bob and build a lot. But it's not as simple as that, is it, Alec? (laughs) It's not, Sasha. It took me a moment to figure out what Bob you were talking about, but I got there. (laughs) (laughs) Just throwing a little, like, childhood reference in there for all the millennials. (laughs) I mean, look, Bob's in a good industry at the moment because the world needs to build and the world is throwing money at the problem. But this generation of governments isn't the first generation of governments to try and throw money at the problem. The challenge is housing supply and the, the challenge to build more houses is more complex than that. In 2008, Australia's Senate released a report on housing affordability in Australia. In it, they identified three challenges when it comes to housing supply. The first, the need for supporting infrastructure. The second, planning processes and zoning laws. And then thirdly, an adequate construction workforce. Now let's put the third point of the construction workforce aside for one second and focus on the first two because that's really the challenge universally. You need infrastructure like roads, public transport, schools, shops, hospitals near where you build houses. So governments can either build new infrastructure and then developers can build houses around it or governments can change zoning laws so more housing can be built around already existing infrastructure. And this is the challenge that has caused housing undersupply around the world. It takes a long time to build new infrastructure and local residents strongly challenge any changes to zoning laws. No one wants more apartments built close to them. That's that whole not in my backyard nimbyism. Mm. And so countries around the world have continued to underbuild. Research published by the Reserve Bank of Australia in 2018 found that restrictive zoning contributed about 40% to the price of houses in Australia's two major cities of Sydney and Melbourne. And that is why throwing money at the problem isn't enough. Governments can offer more and more financial incentives to builders, but there are limits on where they can build and where people will buy. Yeah, that's right. To give you a sense of how zoning laws constrain new builds, consider these stats reported by The Atlantic. In nearly every major US city, apartments are banned in at least 70% of residential areas. That's huge. Yeah. San Jose prohibits apartments in 94% of its residential areas. Wow. So, Sasha, imagine you team up with your mate Bob and you uh, start a construction company in San Jose. The Biden administration wants you to build. They're offering you tax breaks and project financing to build affordable housing. But every time you try and build denser housing in San Jose, maybe you have a plan to uh, knock down a couple of single-family residents and build an apartment block or subdivide them and build, you know, more smaller houses. 
you don't get planning approval because it's not zoned for denser housing. So you can't do it that way. Yeah, you'd be fighting over 6% of the land, really. Yeah, so you and Bob turn to plan B. You go, we can't build denser housing in San Jose. Let's go to the edge of San Jose and build on greenfield land, on land that hasn't been built on. But there's no transport infrastructure. Maybe there's a road, but you don't have public transport there. The hospital might be a long way away. The school is too small to accommodate an influx of new residents. So if you were to build out there, you wouldn't get a great price when you went to sell. And then the business case might not stack up. And that is the practical challenge developers face. And that is the challenge why housing supply is harder than just a financial one. Yeah, and it also explains why I'm not in business with Bob as well, (laughs) because that doesn't sound like the kind of thing I want to be doing. But this leads us to New Zealand. Jacinda Ardern's government took some radical steps last year to break this deadlock and unlock a lot more housing supply. Yeah, New Zealand has had one of the toughest housing markets in the world. According to The Economist earlier this year, an average home in Auckland, New Zealand's largest city, is 35 times the median income. And Jacinta Ardern's government faced many of the same challenges the other countries we've spoken about today faced. But the idea that one thing is going to make a difference for everyone is just not the case. We've done things around foreign buyers. We've increased by over 4,000 the new builds in our public housing. We've rolled out housing first for for homelessness across the country. In 2017, to address that, she introduced a scheme called Kiwi Build that was intended to build 100,000 affordable homes. By May last year, it had only built 1,000. There are structural problems when it comes to increasing housing supply. So in December of last year, Ardern's government took a radical step. They have overridden local government zoning rules for single-family homes. Now, any area zoned for single-family homes will be allowed to have up to three three-storey houses without requiring local council zoning approval. But is this going to be enough to make up for New Zealand's housing shortfall? Probably not. Modelling by PricewaterhouseCooper predicted it would lead to between 48,000 and 105,000 new houses in the next five to eight years. But importantly, it's starting to break the back of that NIMBY attitude that you can build just not in my backyard attitude and that is the attitude that's really encouraged these restrictive zoning laws and it's now I guess forcing more housing in your backyard if you want to live in the middle of a densely populated city that's the price of admission I guess and the important thing is it might not be enough to solve New Zealand's problem but it is a step in the right direction and reforms like this in other jurisdictions before have had positive results. This is where the city of Houston Texas in the United States States is a great case study. In 1998, the local government changed zoning rules and reduced the minimum size requirement for a family home. Fast forward 20 years and Houston builds housing at 14 times the rate of peer cities like San Jose, which we heard about earlier. And in 2019, Houston built roughly the same number of apartments as Los Angeles. Yeah, it's pretty incredible when you think about that. 14 times the rate of a peer city. And that's really the key takeaway here. Housing supply isn't a problem that we can just throw money at, as we've both said a few times in this episode. It requires reform at a local government level or a real commitment to build new infrastructure. Not everyone likes the idea of changing zoning laws. For most people, housing is their biggest asset, their most important investment and a key part of their retirement. And changing zoning laws could affect the value of their property and their investment and 
then I guess the quality of their retirement. But I guess that's the conversation that we need to have because it's the only way the Australian government is going to deliver on their ambition of building 1 million more homes by 2030 or any of these other governments around the world are going to be able to deliver on their ambitions to make up for their housing shortfalls. Yeah, well, Alec, if there's ever been an argument to diversify your investments away from property, that's made me feel a lot better about (laughs) putting my money into shares. (laughs) (laughs) That's the equity mate's way. (laughs) Yeah, well, Sasha, you know, we're all about diversification here. So I guess let's make that argument. But it doesn't have to be an either or thing. It doesn't have to be a, if we loosen zoning laws and we allow denser housing or more housing, that's going to hurt our investments. We spoke about Houston earlier. I just had a look at Zillow. Home prices in Houston have gone up 15% over the past year. Well, we know that housing is a hot button topic. So if you have any thoughts on this episode at all, then you can contact us by email, thedive at ecrumates.com. We might leave it there for today. If you want to help The Dive grow, then send this episode to a friend. I'm sure there's someone out there who you've been talking about the property market with. Well, then why not forward them this link? Take a screenshot, send it in a text, share it on your Instagram. Remember, you can always tag us at thedive.businessnews and you can subscribe to this episode wherever you're listening right now so you never miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining me today, Alec. Thanks, Sasha. Until next time. You have been listening to an Equity Mates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. 